Welcome to the May Contain Wine Podcast, brought to you by Wine, Women, and Wellbeing. I'm your host, Lisa Webb, and together we're going to get to know incredible women doing all kinds of interesting things. So grab a glass and get ready to be inspired by the amazing women in our global community. Hello, my friends. In this episode, I talked to Fotini and I love her message. I love what she has to say. What I don't love is the audio challenges we had to get through this podcast. We are deep in the trenches of lockdown homeschooling here. And I thought I would be really smart and find a quiet place to record. Thought I'd go out to the gym. Turns out, internet's not so great out there, nor are the acoustics. So we had a few blips. We had a few bumps in the road, but stick with us through the end because I think we made it through and the message is important um, and we can do hard things. So we just kept trudging along and uh, hopefully you bear with us. I'm here with Fotiti, the negotiator, and she has had that nickname since childhood. She's an expert communicator with a passion for helping organizations and individuals get what they want. For the last decade, she has been helping Fortune 500 clients and audiences to achieve their business goals, increase profitability, and create competitive advantages. She thrives in empowering people, navigate through high-stakes situations. Hello, Potini. How are you? Hello. I am doing real well. How are you today? Good. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Um, for our listeners, so I gave them a little tidbit about you, about you, but for those who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? So, um, I am somebody who helps people have better conversations. I, I help people get what they want using some very subtle communication techniques to take some of the fear and that the daunting kind of feeling that comes with negotiation so that they can open up all sorts of opportunities. Um, It all started with the corporate world. So I get hired by Fortune 500 companies to help them um, increase the skill set of their teams, whether it's sales teams, procurement teams, marketing teams. How do we help, you know, the company become more profitable? And it kind of evolved into the masses like how do individuals negotiate a better salary for themselves how do they manage to have better conversations with their spouses or their children or their peers or their bosses Um, there's opportunities to to have a better life every single day and it just comes down to more effective communication skills so that's what I'm here for how did you get into this field because this isn't something like before I came across you I like I guess in the back of my mind I knew this was a thing that existed but like how does one fall into the field of negotiating um, the easy answer is accidentally. It's not exactly <laughs> something you dream about as a child to go, I'm going to be a negotiator when I grow up. It was, um, I started working after my MBA, I started working for a little company called L'Oreal where I was oh, just a little company called L'Oreal. Walmart. <laughs> um, so I was negotiating with Walmart on a daily basis on, on how to increase our sales and, and, you know, get extra attention on our promotions and things like that. And then eventually I moved to another company doing some similar work. And then it was a, 
it was a training company who who came in to train me to be a better negotiator and went, you should really be doing what we do. And I was like, yeah, sure, someday when I've got more experience, because I was still in my 20s. And they said, no, seriously, you should be doing what we do. So they hired me. And then I started traveling the world and training everybody from the CEO down to the junior account manager on how to be more effective negotiators. And then it was, okay, it's great that you trained our team, but we have a hundred million on the line or we have a billion on the line in some other country. What can we say? And I'd start holding our high stakes negotiation. Um, and I loved it. I loved every minute of helping these people feel so much more empowered to accomplish some of the big daunting tasks in front of them. And then it was, you know, kind of evolved into tapping me on the shoulder to go, hey, can you come speak at our national sales conference? Or, hey, can you come do this one thing? And then it was, oh, hey, can you come teach at the Shulet School of Business where you did your MBA? Uh, and so there was all of these opportunities that just kept coming up as a result of me just trying to help people and put value into the world in that capacity. That must have been a pretty amazing full circle moment for you to go back and teach where you did your MBA. How amazing did that feel? It was awesome. It was um, it was really just because of a LinkedIn connection. Um, somebody at the university reached out and said, hey, we have a lot of people in common and uh, I teach negotiations here and I did my MBA a number of years ago. And would you want, let's, let's grab a coffee. You look like you have a really interesting profile. I was like, yeah, okay. And then by the end of the coffee, he said, do you want to teach? Because, you know, you'd be a natural fit and you did your MBA here. And I was like, yeah, because we felt, we saw eye to eye on the principles of negotiation that we both taught, whether I was doing the corporate world and he was doing the academic world. Um, and I love being back there. I, I love, love, love helping students, especially at that kind of fork in the road of their, their careers, because so many of them would leave the class and start negotiating their next job offer, which, you know, set them on a path for such a long time. Um, so that was, that's one of the most rewarding gigs I've ever um, been able to do. I do miss the classroom quite a bit. I took a bit of a break um, with everything going on in the COVID uh, and I miss, I miss it terribly. So I'm, I'm eager to get back in the classroom. So here at Wine Women and Wellbeing, our focus is on creating a sisterhood. And how would you, when we think about women and negotiating, First of all, first I'm going to say, what do you think holds most women back from asking what they want? Because I don't think as women, we do that enough. Yeah. I mean, studies are showing us that we're doing more and more versus, you know, less than two decades ago, in the early 2000s, there were studies that were showing us only 7% of women negotiated their first salary, whereas 57% of men did. So the numbers today are showing us that women are indeed stepping up more and attempting it more. However, we're facing a legitimate um, gender bias when it comes to negotiation. We are treated differently. There's plenty of anecdotal evidence. There's plenty of studies that have been done when we look at the output of some of these negotiations. So if anybody is holding them back, themselves back, it's because they know there is a chance I'm going to be treated differently. And so we're doing it out of the fear of what if they hate me? What if they rescind the offer? Uh, and I have heard some of those stories, which breaks my heart. But part of my job is to give people the tools to minimize those risks. So the reason we're holding back is, is legitimate concern the realities of being a woman who is negotiating or a woman in the workplace, there's still very much a glass ceiling. Um, there's still a ton of bias. In fact, Robin Doolittle um, from the Globe and Mail has been doing a, a really great piece on the power gap in Canada specifically. And for the last few months, she's been releasing these stories 
uh, where she's been analyzing what's been happening in um, in law firms, for example, at the executive level, there is a massive gap in pay for, for women in, in almost every single industry in Canada, where we are a very developed nation. So you, you could think, oh, sure, it happens in other places, but no, it's here too. We have our gender bias, we have our obstacles. And so when you know that's out there, even if you know it subconsciously, there's reason for you to hold back. And my job is to help give you all the things and the tools to help you do it more successfully. Okay. That's a perfect segue. What you're giving us the tools and tell women specifically women besides, besides the pay gap, why is it important that we have this in our tool belt? What is this going to give us? So I mentioned this study earlier that told us only 7% of women negotiated in that study. What they found was those who did negotiate increased their, um, their offers by an average of 7.4%. And wow. so when you're free on your career, 7.4% may sound like a ton, right? Maybe it's a few hundred dollars though, over the course of the year, maybe it's a few thousand dollars. Maybe it's your rent for a month or a mortgage payment or diapers for your baby or, you know, a vacation fund. But what they did is somebody else took that study a step further and went, let's extrapolate that. Let's take the person who did negotiate and the person who didn't negotiate. Let's compare their career now for the next 35 years. We'll give them exactly the same salary promotion and promotions. The only difference is at the end of that 35 years, that person who did negotiate, who got that first single 7.4% increase, now gets to retire eight years earlier. Massive. One negotiation could be years of your life. So the stakes are much higher than you realize. Because not only that, that was isolated event. What I'm hearing now more and more from all the people in my audiences is I did this one thing and it felt so good. And now I did the next one and I did the next thing and I negotiated my car and I negotiated my promotion and I negotiated my house and my mortgage. So, you know, I've been doing this in so many aspects of my life. Forget that one negotiation I've done. I can't even count how many. So imagine, you know, all of the opportunities, all of the things I've been able to afford, all of the stress I've reduced in my life because of, of me just seizing the moment of those opportunities around me. Yeah. It would have a huge snowball effect. I would love to know how we can negotiate, how leverage negotiations in networking settings in order to build better connections. Like, can you transfer some of those skills? Because we are all about connecting women and Oftentimes in business, we need to make connections, whether that is personal relationships or professional relationships. So if it's not negotiating a contract or negotiating money, can we use those skills to transfer over to build our relationships? Yeah, I'm glad you asked it because typically what I find is an effective negotiator can actually build better relationships. So it's those negotiation skills that can actually deepen the bonds with somebody. Because um, I know a lot of people cringe when they hear the word networking. I know I don't love yeah. working room when I go to a networking event or something to that effect. But I have found that when I tap into it from a negotiation perspective, all negotiation is two people having a conversation. It's two people trying to reach an agreement about something. And when it comes to the networking piece of, of stuff, it is really just, let's agree on something that's of interest to both of us. 
let's agree on a topic that isn't entertaining to the two of us. And so if you can go in with that mindset, first of all, that it doesn't have to be combative, that it doesn't have to be, um, even in the networking world, doesn't have to be, oh, I've got to be really interesting. What's my 30 second elevator pitch and all of those kind of pressures that come on. If you can adapt the mindset to go, I'm curious about this person. What is of interest to this person? And what is interesting about them? Um, that is something that translates in so many different aspects of our communication. Because when it comes to negotiation, and even when I'm talking about you know, multi-million dollar deals, we talk about interests. You know, what is it that somebody wants to get out of this? So you can, you can transfer that same mentality to a conversation. What is it that somebody wants to get out of this conversation? What is it some of that somebody wants to learn about you? And what is it that you can learn about them? When you approach any negotiation or any conversation with curiosity, you're gonna end up getting way more value out of it than you will thinking, okay, how, how, what do I wanna say about myself? You know, how do I puff out my chest and show how smart I am? Those are not things that are gonna get you very far. No one's gonna be very interested in you if that's the approach, but take an interest in them. And now all of a sudden, they're going to want to engage with you more because it's good for their ego. Who doesn't want someone asking them questions to talk about themselves, right? right? So yeah. it's going to make it far more compelling for people to want to continue to engage with you. So from a networking perspective, it is just going, how can I be curious about somebody right now? What can I learn about somebody? And in the negotiation world, you can take that a step further and go, how do I use this information now to come up with a solution for the two of us? Right. And I don't think we often think of social settings as negotiating scenarios, but I guess if you just shift your perspective, they can be. Yeah, I mean, curiosity in general is something that I think serves us all really well, as opposed to being so self-involved that you don't have any room for curiosity. Um, so when you're, when, you're, when you're talking to somebody, when you're trying to build trust with somebody, it comes because I trust you because I think that you have my best interests at heart. How do I know you have my best interests at heart? You listened to my interests. How did you listen to my interests or demonstrate that you were listening? You were asking me questions about me instead of just talking about yourself, right? So we demonstrate those things by taking an interest in the other person. I love that. I'm going to shift gears a little bit and... I'm going to ask you to tell us about your book, Say Less, Get More, because I think that is perfect, perfect segue, um, because oftentimes we, all, we don't say less, and sometimes that can get us into trouble. Um, so tell us about your book. Sure. The, so the book is, um, the, the literally, the title of it is Say Less, Get More, and there's two kind of messages in even that title alone. So the first is to literally say fewer words, um, because if you are trying to build trust with somebody and you are trying to get valuable information, if we all believe that information is power, if you are the one constantly talking, then you're the one giving away power. But if you can get them to do, if you give them the airtime to do some talking, then you're actually going to be the one gaining valuable information from them. And too often, you know, we pad our words with our language with words that are actually doing us a disservice. So there's a lot of tips in the book specifically about language to use and, and, and how to clean that up to not hurt your credibility and so on. But the other part of the title is, is to literally take the time to say less. 
So often when we're faced with a stressful situation, a stressful conversation, uh, something that is daunting to us, we go into our cave person um, ancestral brain and we are so overwhelmed with stress that all of our rational thought leaves our brain and we start thinking and talking at the same time. And that can be really dangerous. An effective negotiator knows that um, you don't think and talk, you think first and then speak. So take that time to press the pause button in your brain, take that time to say less, think about what you wanna say, and then you will end up getting a lot more out of every situation versus saying something that you're gonna regret that makes you have those moments that go, oh God, why did I do that? I wish I hadn't said that, right? So I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm not the poster <laughs> child for that. As you're speaking, I'm like, I am that person. My mouth yeah. and my brain are going at the same time. And I, so now I'm like clicking on Amazon to go and buy your book because <laughs> that is, I am that person who, especially when you get nervous, you know, you just start rambling and then you don't even know what you're saying sometimes. And your brain is going, stop talking. Exactly. So, the, and that's the mantra. It's say less right now. You're going to get a lot more. So what if you could find coping mechanisms to help you get through that? What if I could give you a script so that you knew how to handle those moments? What if I gave you techniques to make you more resilient in those moments? That's all, all stuff that is offered in the book. So um, that's my hope is that people take some of the kind of the mental, the mentality piece of it, and then the actual literal saying of words or less saying of words to help you get a lot more out of the situation. Right. So what, at what point did you think like, Hey, I think I've got enough stuff going on up here in my brain. And I think that I have really mastered this and I'm ready to like, what made you know you were ready to write a book and what was that <laughs> process like? Somebody asked. <laughs> <laughs> Ask um, and you shall receive. Yeah. I mean, I keep telling people my, my, my journey into entrepreneurship and running a business and my journey into speaking and my journey into being an author all came from other people kind of tapping me on the shoulder and going, Hey, can you help us? Hey, can you come speak on our stage? Hey, we think you have a book in you. And I just kept saying yes to these opportunities that came along. I don't know that anybody ever feels 100% ready. And if you talk to anybody who's ever written a book, they'll tell you how torturous the writing process truly is. And even when you send in that final draft of the manuscript, you still want to rip it up and start all over again. Um, but so I, I do think that there's always going to be an element of imposter syndrome, a little tiny degree of it for everybody. But the reason I did the book was because someone saw a video online and an editor reached out from HarperCollins and said, we think you have a book in you. And I went, all right. And so we sat down at her kitchen table. Kate was wonderful. And we hashed out, how do we turn what I do every day in my training programs into a book that can you know now be in the hands of everybody because I've had so many people over the years say to me oh can I sign up for your MBA class and I'm like no because there's already a wait list from actual MBA students or can I come take your course if I'm only one person and I'll say well no because these are built for teams of folks for a corporation and so I started finding ways to do public workshops and I'll start doing more of those virtually as well but this now the book is an opportunity for everybody to get a dose of the stuff I talk about in my MBA class with my corporate audiences and find new ways to, to serve their needs where, you know, there's more of me to go around, I guess you could say. That's fantastic. And I just want to pay attention to the fact that you said, I just started saying yes to things because it can be so easy to be like, oh, that's not for me or, oh, I have too much going on or who am I to write a book? There's huge power 
in just saying yes and trying, taking that first step. Yeah. And there's been moments where I was reluctant to do so. Like when I, when I was in the corporate world working in manufacturing and this training company came to me and said, we think you should be doing what we do. My answer to them more than once was sure. Someday when I have more experience and they went, no, 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 no. Like it was them who said, you don't, you have enough experience. You have what it takes to do this. I, it, they asked me multiple times before I even interviewed with them. And so I look on that now and go, God, that was stupid. What was I waiting for? <laughs> Um, now it's like, well, yeah, I can handle it. I, I have the opportunities. I have, I'm smart enough to handle whatever comes my way. If someone else thinks I'm capable, then why wouldn't I think I'm capable? So I do think that we need to find new ways to conquer some of that imposter syndrome, because I have so many anecdotes from managers who tell me they want to promote a woman in their office. And she says, I'm not ready yet. Oh, that is bullshit to me. Ready. I mean, Anybody who's become a parent, I don't have children, but anybody who's become a parent, I hear this all the time too, when we're ready. Is anybody ever ready to become no, a parent? No, never. Because just as an observer, it looks like chaos to me. <laughs> Did you just see what happened here with me? <laughs> I will bribe you. Go to your room. I need the space. <laughs> yeah. Talk to any parent homeschooling during COVID. Ask if they're ready for that. F, no, we are not. We are not ready for it. But you do it. And you, you do, it, do it. You keep them alive. That's all you have to do. Yeah. And that's all. And I feel like with any change with, um, greatness comes through change and it comes through adversity. And I don't think that we ever feel ready for that. Excuse me. I don't think we ever think like, oh yeah, I am so ready to turn my life upside down, make all these uncomfortable changes. We're not really ever ready. You just have to, I don't like, I try not to use fake it till you make it, but like What's the other one? It's learn it till you earn it. (laughs) You learn as you go. And, and I think basically in life, like ask an entrepreneur, ask anyone. So I do think we just need to believe in ourselves a little bit more and, um, and it comes and maybe talk less. Like I'm going to start practicing that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, part of the talking, talking less would be, you know, stop talking yourself out of stuff. Yes. So I've been fortunate to have had people around me who pushed me into sink or swim moments because I know, and I think what you've been saying is that the greatest stuff comes from, doesn't come from being in our comfort zone. And so I started a business with my parents when I was 17, because my dad said to me, I need you to quit your job. I was working for those who remember a store called Danier. I was selling leather coats. Leather. Oh yeah. I remember when I was in high school. And he said, I need you to quit your job next month. And I said, why? And he said, because we're opening up our own leather store. I said to him, what the hell do you know about leather? Because <laughs> I grew up in, a, in the big fat Greek, you know, fa- wedding family where we always had restaurants and food service, fast food type of things. And he said, I know I have a smart kid. And it's like, yeah, no pressure. Um, <laughs> so I taught my parents product knowledge and, and things that they needed to know about retail because I would, had been successful at it somewhere else. And when I was in the consulting world, you know, I got pushed into stuff that I was super uncomfortable with all the time. Um, and I remember, I remember being in a yoga class once and the instructor said, do something that makes you uncomfortable every single day. I was like, dude, that is my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly sitting in a room with a bunch of executives who know more about their business than I do. And I have to remind myself that I know more about these principles than they do. Um, so it's, 
it's putting yourself in those positions where you have the capacity to grow because part of my fear of, you know, doing the same speech over and over again and not, and taking, stepping away from the consulting work that I do and the training work that I do is it's going to make me complacent because part of what I do is by getting in front of these new audiences, by allowing people to ask me questions, by advising on these situations I've never seen before, it stretches me and makes me stay really sharp in terms of my skill set. So you don't stay sharp by just doing the same things over and over. You have to learn how to push yourself outside of that comfort zone in order to, to grow and become better at everything that you do. As a parent, you learn to grow because your child is growing and they have new needs and demands. So you're forced into that new comfort zone. As a partner, maybe you need to think about how to, to grow. As, a, as an employee or as a peer, or as a mentor, there are ways to do it as well. But we don't learn by just doing the same thing over and over. We learn by learning to do things a little bit differently and taking that extra step every single day. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to bring you into our wine, women, and well-being rapid-fire questions. They don't have to be super rapid. Like if you want to expand, it's fine. But these are our, the same the same set of questions that I ask all of the women in our community. First one being, if you could share a bottle of wine with one woman, living or dead, who would you want to sit down and have a bottle of wine with? It's a tie. I'd say in Canada, it's Christa Freeland because I think she's a, a rock star and I think she's a fascinating woman. In the US, I would say it's Oprah, like easy. No easy. brainer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's good. We could cross borders here. Transcend time, borders. I love it. Um, what is your go-to well-being or self-care practice? I take uh, Epsom salt baths almost every night. Me too. Soul sisters. Yeah. Love that. Your okay now. Besides your own book, <laughs> what is your favorite book recommendation? Oh my gosh, I have so I read so many books a year. Um, I think the one that I recommend most to women is Presence by Dr. Amy Cuddy. Um, there's a lot of really great nuggets in there. It's not meant just for women, but I think women get the most out of it. So she's the one that introduced us to power poses and stuff like that. Oh, interesting. What does sisterhood mean to you? Um, uh, sisterhood, wow. Well, I, I have leaned so heavily on my women's support networks in the most trying of times. So for me, they have been my saviors and they have turned into friendships that I know I will, that will last a lifetime. Um, I do think there's a unique bond between women who support other women. 100%. And lastly, what advice would you give to your 16 year old self? <laughs> um, Loaded, right? I would tell her not to worry so much. I spent a lot of, a lot of energy worrying and that just, there's, there's nothing you can do about those things. So just stress, stress less, like everything's going to be okay. Cause you're going to make it. Okay. You have the skill set, the capacity and the drive to make it. Okay. So what's the point of worrying about it? Perfect. And send me away with one, like your power piece of negotiating knowledge. Like, I know this is probably like a loaded question and really hard, but if you had to give me one piece of advice to go forth into the world, um, both personal professional, do you have one one nugget of advice? I mean, it comes down as simply as shut up. 
And I say that the noted. I say that with a caveat already because that doesn't mean becoming a wallflower. It's shutting up, but still having the presence for people to know I am somebody to be respected and listened to in this room and I'm taking it all in. So once I do take it all in, watch out. You can have an attitude and still shut up and be really powerful at the same time. I am going to shut up more. (laughs) I love it. Thank you, Fotini, for being here with us today. And for your patience with our, our technical juggling dance that we were doing. Hey, it's just a sign of the times. So I'm, I'm happy to be a part of the journey of whatever it takes. Thank you very much. It's been great. Thanks for listening, friends. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and recommend us to a friend. Head to winewomenwellbeing.com to find out more about what our community is all about and reach out to us on social media. We'd love to connect. Until next time, stay classy, stay kind.